This season on the Full Heart Free Voice podcast, we are celebrating play and creativity. So at the beginning of each episode for season two, Emma and I will be highlighting creative works of joy by Black, Indigenous, people of color, queer, differently abled, or neurodiverse folks. Today, I want to share with you a book called Beyond the Gender Binary, and this is the official description. In Beyond the Gender Binary, poet, artist, and LGBTQIA advocate, Alec Bladmenon deconstructs, demystifies, and reimagines the gender binary. This book is part of a Pocket Change Collective, which is a series of small books with big ideas from today's leading activists and artists. In this installment, Beyond the Gender Binary, Alec Bladmenon challenges the world to see gender not in black and white, but in full color. Taking from their own experiences as a gender nonconforming artist, they show us that gender is a malleable and creative form of expression. The only limit is imagination. I highly, highly recommend this book. And also, if you're interested, I first came across Alec on Instagram, and you can follow them over at Alec V. Menon. Welcome to the Full Heart Free Voice Podcast. Podcast. I'm Emma Veritas, and I'm a writing coach for folks who want to write authentically on the internet. And I'm Caitlin Bosshart, a life coach for multi-passionate creatives, people who want to create a life of their own design, and wedding coach for couples who want to tie the knot their way. We read books that inspire you to live with a full heart and a free voice. This season, we're reading Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear by Elizabeth Gilbert. And we're exploring what it means to live a life that is driven more strongly by curiosity than fear. If you'd like to purchase a copy of Big Magic or any book that we've ever mentioned on the show and support the podcast, you can go to our bookshop.org page at bookshop.org forward slash shop forward slash full heart free voice podcast. And welcome back to Full Heart Free Voice Podcast. We are so happy you're here with us as we continue our study of Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And today we are beginning the section of the book called Permission, and we are studying the essays Remove the Suggestion Box and Your Permission Slip. But before we dive into these essays, I want to continue the short series Caitlin and I have been doing on highlighting our Patreon. Um, So if you don't know what Patreon is, it's a very cool platform where you can support creators like us. (laughs) So when you join the Full Heart Free Voice Patreon, you will subscribe for a monthly fee, which supports the podcast. But the super cool thing is you get really cool rewards designed with our mission in mind to support your creative life. And so over the past few episodes, we've told you about our $3 tier, which is where you get a bonus quote audio. We've told you about our $6 tier, which is where you get a weekly lunar email, (laughs) different parts of the moon cycle with an oracle card from me. There's also the $12 tier where you get a printable creativity kit, which is super fun. And the $18 tier is where you can join Caitlin and I for a live book club discussion on Zoom 
once a month. So that's where you'd actually get to hang out with us and talk to us. And it would be really cool to see you there. Um, And so with each tier, you get the tier below. So if you were to sign up for the $18 tier, you'd get all those other previous tiers, which is just so much support for your creative life. And today I want to tell you about our $50 tier, which is a pretty cool one. It's the one-on-one creativity coaching session with me or Caitlin. So if you join the $50 tier for three months, so you've done three months of commitment at that level, then you can schedule a coaching session with either Caitlin or me, and you can actually get coached by us <laughs> for a good, I think we both do hour and 15 minute sessions, right, Caitlin? Yep, that's right. Yeah. So it's 75 minutes of coaching and you would also get the book club discussion and the quote audio and the Oracle emails and the printable creativity kit. Um, And the other thing you should know about the Patreon is that it's really easy to switch tiers whenever you want to. So you could join the coaching tier for three months do a coaching session with us and feel like, okay, that was great. And then you could go down um, to a different level if you wanted to, or if you're at a lower level, you could move up to the coaching level um, whenever you just kind of wanted to talk to me or Caitlin about something going on with your creative life. So we would love to see you at the Patreon. It's been really, really fun so far. You can join us at patreon.com forward slash full heart free voice podcast. Okay, Caitlin, it is time for Curiosity Corner, because as we know from Elizabeth Gilbert, she says that living a creative life is following your curiosity more than your fear. So every episode, we like to highlight what we have been curious about lately. So Caitlin, what is your current curiosity? Three, two, one. Okay, so these are some follow-ups from actually from my birthday. So everyone um, always talks about how my birthday is on the Ides of March. Everyone's like, ooh, Ides of March, because it's like a negative thing. And I looked into it. And of course, like uh, Julius Caesar was killed on on, um, March 15th, which is my birthday. But actually, um, I found out that it's not actually negative. And in fact, March 15th used to be the Roman New Year. And I think that's super cool because that's what I feel like the New Year is. And so it was this interesting reframe on the whole Ides of March thing. Oh, oh, let's see if I can turn it off. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) That is really interesting. I never really knew what that was, although I always thought it sounded poetic, the Ides of March. Well, it is. And I didn't know what it was all about. Totally. Well, it it was the phrase, beware the Ides of March, is um, Mm. from a Shakespeare play. So, of course, very popular. <laughs> and um, it's been kind of woven into popular culture for a very, very long time as this really negative thing, because it was the day that Julius Caesar was murdered. Um, but it sounds like part of the reason why he might have been murdered is because he changed the New Year celebration from March 15th to January, and people did not like that. <laughs> Maybe there's probably like more to the story. But I thought that was super yeah. fascinating. And so I don't really resonate that much with the new year in in January. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to just, <laughs> I think I'm just going to like throw that out the window um, and instead just celebrate it on my birthday because it just feels perfect and aligned for me. Cool. So I'd love to hear what you've been curious about. 
Okay, so what I've been curious about lately is um, mosses and moss gardening. So I have my Instagram called Books and Moss. And so I've been taking a lot of pictures of books with moss. And I've been reading a book called Gathering Moss by Robin Wall Kimmerer. And I just got a book on moss gardening. And I'm changing my lawn. So my lawn is a grass lawn and it's really big. But now the moss has taken over. And so I'm going to let it be a moss lawn. And so now I want to get really creative with the mosses in my yard. Okay. 30 seconds. Mm, I love that. Moss is so magical. Yeah. It's, I really love it. And like, I'm in the Pacific Northwest and I mean, just a very mossy place. And I know I have some neighbors that really try to have their grass lawn and it just seems like a battle I don't want to fight (laughs) because like with one winter, the grass is almost gone and the it's completely mossy. And I just thought this is soft and it's nice and you don't have to mow it. Like I just really, really love it. And you can make it, you know, like I want to make a labyrinth actually in my yard. And so I want it to be different mosses and stuff that you can just walk around barefoot on the labyrinth. Oh my gosh. All right, so now it is time for our reading recap. So, Caitlin, what happened in these two essays? So, again, as a reminder, we are in the permission section. We're just starting it. And the first essay is called Removing the Suggestion Box. So Elizabeth Gilbert didn't grow up in a family of artists. In fact, her parents were quite um, conservative, responsible people. They had very, you know, average kinds of jobs. But interestingly, she says that she learned how to be a rebel from them. What I find super fascinating is that her parents basically, you know, checked all of the boxes of what it means to be like a stereotypical good citizen. But then beyond that, they basically did whatever they wanted with their lives. So her dad was a chemical engineer by day, but a Christmas tree farmer, a goat farmer, a beekeeper on his own. It sounds like he built and made a lot of things. Um, And she says that, you know, he didn't quit his job to pursue the things that he wanted. He just sort of folded them into his everyday life. And her mom actually had, you know, her own sort of similar um, story. Liz shares that she observed about her dad that when he started these new things, he didn't exactly know what he was doing, but he believed that he could figure it out on his own because he had a solid faith in his own capabilities. And in fact, both of her parents seemed to share this kind of mentality. Her dad, however, had a bit less of, you know, in Liz's words, civilized approach um, than her mom. And he was decidedly not impressed by instructions, experts, or basically being told what to do and had this defiance to him. A quick story that demonstrates this, which is actually where the name of the essay comes from, is when her dad was in the Navy and he was ordered to build a suggestion box and put it up. So he did as he was told, he built the box, but then he wrote the first suggestion, which was, I suggest that you remove the suggestion box, which I really love (laughs) um, the gutsiness of him to, to do that. Even as a kid, Elizabeth realized that her dad was kind of cool. And to quote Elizabeth Gilbert, she says, I knew he was doing his own thing and following his own path. And I intuitively sensed that this made him, by definition, an interesting person. I didn't have a term for it back then, but what I can see now is that he was practicing something called creative living. 
Ultimately, Liz says that it was both of her parents' examples that inspired her to forge her own path and really gave her the idea that she could actually become a writer. And that her parents, because they think of their own path and their own um, tendency to to go after whatever they wanted, they kind of didn't worry about her and let her do what she really wanted. As long as she could cover her basic needs, they kind of were like, go, you know, have at it. So as Liz reflects on her own inherited stubbornness from her parents, she really sees how this has supported her in having a creative life. And she also sees that because of her parents, it didn't really ever occur to her to ask permission to do what she wanted with her life because she never really saw anyone in her family ask for permission either. The next essay is Your Permission Slip. So basically what she says in this essay is that you don't need anyone's permission to live a creative life. Maybe you didn't have parents like Elizabeth's, people who who put a lot of energy into creativity, but ultimately it doesn't matter who your parents were. And if you feel like you want a connection to creativity through your own family lineage, she just encourages you to actually look back a couple of generations and you will inevitably bump into people who were makers. This is basically where we all come from. And Elizabeth makes the point that human beings have been creative for a very, very long time. And I wanted to share this quote that also demonstrates this. The earliest evidence of recognizable human art is 40,000 years old. The earliest evidence of human agriculture, by contrast, is only 10,000 years old which means that somewhere in our collective evolutionary story, we decided that it was way more important to make attractive, superfluous items than it was to regularly feed ourselves. In this essay, she also talks about the diversity of artistic expression, how some art may stir, excite, may feel sacred to us, but other times it's not like that at all, and it's really just people messing around and amusing themselves. And she reminds us to take it seriously, but not take it seriously, and to loosen our grip and let inspiration go wherever it wants to take us. She also talks about how creativity is distinctly human and debunks the myth that art is reserved for a chosen few, that creativity is really hanging around and wants to connect with all of us. She concludes this essay by reminding the readers that you don't need a permission slip to live a creative life. But if you do, Elizabeth Gilbert just gave you one. Now go live a creative life. Okay, so Emma, I'm curious for you, what out of these two essays ultimately stood out to you? You know, I think just the idea of permission is really, really interesting. I've been thinking lately about how, like with the work I do with helping folks to write online, so much of the worry that people have is that what they're doing is wrong or they're not doing the right thing. And a lot of my work is helping people connect to their authenticity. And it's like kind of just what Elizabeth Gilbert is saying here. It's just like giving permission to people to be themselves out loud in the world. And I think we're trained, although Elizabeth sounds like Elizabeth Gilbert had some great opposite training than this. But for sure, I was trained to stick to the mold, to do things a certain way. Um, You know, if you've been in academia world, it's like so rigid um, what writing looks like or, you know, what 
art is and all of that. And I think we really do need to remember that we just have permission to make stuff like that. There is a day where, you know, maybe there isn't a painting or there isn't a blog or there isn't something, you know, like the labyrinth I want to create. It's not there, but I can totally make that if I want to, (laughs) right? Like there's literally nobody stopping me from doing that. Um, The only thing that would stop me are like the training and the rules in my head uh, around like what a normal yard should look like. Mm -hmm. You know, I think this does kind of come back to moss gardening because like a normal yard has a grass lawn and not a moss lawn. And like, those are the only things that would stop me from making my garden like a really really interesting place and so I think it's just a good reminder that you actually just get to do this you know totally like you just get to you just get to be creative and I think to also on top of that acknowledge how sometimes it can feel a little bit like you're swimming upstream because sometimes people will just like ask like why are you doing it like that you know and it can feel it can feel like a judgment, but a lot of times people are just like, oh, you're doing something different than the normal. <laughs> and actually, as you were mm-hmm. saying, I'm also somebody who has an unusual lawn. I actually don't have a lawn in my front yard at all because when we first moved into our place, it was our front yard is the sunniest spot and we wanted to have a big garden. And the first thing that we did is we started creating a permaculture lasagna bed and we used we did hugel culture which is where you lay down tree branches to create little swales which helps collect water and direct water towards your plants and the first thing that we did to start doing all of this is that we covered our entire lawn with cardboard to smother out the grass which is a way to make these lasagna beds just lots and lots of layers of organic matter on top of the cardboard and people thought we were nuts. (laughs) We had so many people walk by and be like, so you're covering your yard in cardboard. And we're like, that's right. (laughs) We are doing that. Um, But now we have this gorgeous garden and people, let's still people be like, oh, you you mix your flowers with your vegetables. (laughs) And we're like, yes, we do. (laughs) Like things don't have to be separated. Um, But it's, it is just funny how sometimes you do things that are a little bit different, but, but it's fun. It's fun to do things a little bit different. And I'm so glad that, you know, when we've had people like kind of make those comments that we've been like, we've been a little mischievous and be like, you'll see, it'll be cool. (laughs) Actually, that's true. I have a next door neighbor who she loves her grass lawn. And so she will, we'll have little conversations at the boundaries of our yards (laughs) chatting She's always like, hmm, interesting. And then we go about our lives <laughs> doing our things. I do kind of love that when people are like, I don't really know what else to say. So I'm just going to say that's interesting. <laughs> and it's always like a little, like, it's a little bit of a pregnant, like, interesting. But at the same time, it's like, I just think there's so much, like, I feel super empowered that we gave ourselves permission to do something different. And I'm glad that you're doing that too, because you're going to get, I get so much more enjoyment out of our beautiful garden that's full of so many interesting insects and birds and bunnies and whatever else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're going to have so much fun walking around and, 
and at this like beautiful labyrinth moss lawn like what that's so cool (laughs) yeah so we all have permission to do the interesting thing even if other people are like hmm like what (laughs) (laughs) and a lot of times it is like genuinely just like curious because they're like oh like I hadn't thought that you could do it differently which is like Mm -hmm. the other part of it that people don't always say but is a lot of what's underneath there yeah I guess that's true too and you never really know like who you're influencing, right? When you do the interesting thing, you don't know people are walking by your lawn and they might be like, oh, what what cool thing could I do to my garden? Like it help might, might help break other people out of their shells. Well, it actually does. I've had several neighbors say, I want to do what you're doing. And there's like this one woman, she's like, I... Your your yard just brings me so much joy, and I love what I discover every time I walk past. And I'm going to start putting my own garden in next summer. And I was like, oh. it just Fun. like meant so much to me. I always like tear up a little bit when people say that. So yeah, it, exactly to your point, it really does influence people, and they don't always say anything. So I was just lucky that this woman stopped and shared. Yeah, it's like when you do that when you be a creative person it gives other people permission which brings us back to the text because that's what elizabeth gilbert's parents did they just did their thing and it gave her permission to be a writer and now we get to read her books and it gives her books give us all permission to do interesting things yes well put yes full circle Okay, so now it is time for our coaching session um, where, Caitlin, you are getting coached by me. And so is there anything that came up in the text for you that challenged you or do you have any creative challenges going on that are related to the essays that we read? Yeah, so the part that I really wanted to explore a little bit more was just this really short in parentheses sentence where she says, I mean, take it seriously, sure, but don't take it seriously. (laughs) And (laughs) that was kind of like, yeah, I know I'm not, I know, like not supposed to, I don't even like to use that word, but like, yeah, I know that I sometimes take my creativity a little more seriously than is one necessary or even helpful. And so I just wanted to explore a little bit more of what happens for me when I'm like, when I am maybe a little bit too serious about my creativity and, and how to bring a little bit more lightheartedness into, into it. Uh, Cause I think that's like, I, I, I like the way she talks about um, that lightheartedness and like playfulness in this in this essay. Okay. So can you say more about um, what it means to you when you're, you feel like you're taking something too seriously? Can you just say more about what that means like for you personally? Yeah. For me personally, it's when I get really, really attached to the outcome of, of a creative project. So, I mean, it might be like, you know, it could be within my business and how like a new offer maybe performs or something like that. But I'll also see it with something like I want to sit down and make a pair of clay, clay earrings or I want to do a painting. 
And when it's not exactly going the way that I picture it in my head, I can almost like, I just feel myself getting like really intense about it and like really trying to force it to become the thing that's in my head. And then it kind of is not so fun anymore. And so do you think the word serious describes that feeling? Like, is that the right word for you? It's like you just get super, super serious about it. I think so. Um, Because it's something that I feel, it's a way that I would describe myself at times. Like, like I do definitely have this serious side of me, right? But it's like serious in a way that's kind of like rigid. (laughs) Uh, And, but there's only one side of me, but sometimes that part can take over a little bit more than I would like for it to. Yeah. And so can you describe a time where you did a project where that kind of seriousness wasn't there, where you felt like you took it seriously, but not seriously, and you had more lightheartedness? Yeah. I When I did a portrait for uh, my husband, actually, last for one of his birthdays a couple of years ago. Um, and <laughs> at first I was going through a lot of photos, trying to decide what picture I wanted to paint of him. And ultimately I was trying to find, you know, find like a nice picture of him or whatever, like where, <laughs> and I kept looking through, I was like, these aren't like capturing his essence. These aren't, this just isn't it for me. And then I came across this really, really great photo of him from this this event called Tour de Fat, which is in my town where um, the this big brewery called New Belgium, which people have probably heard of in their national, they throw this giant costume bike parade. And it's a picture of him mm-hmm. from that festival. Uh, and that's what I ultimately painted. And I just remember being in like such a state of flow with painting that picture. And it was so fun Hmm. because I was like, I'm not, I'm not trying to like make this like this serious, like portrait of him. (laughs) It's like, like, (laughs) you know, like buttoned up kind of feeling. Um, And I just let myself like do what I really wanted, which was, which was to paint this picture that really, encapsulate him. I don't know if this, I'm describing this very well, but <laughs> yeah, that was like yeah. one of those times. Nice. Okay. So what I'm hearing is that uh, there are two words coming up. There's like rigid seriousness. And then there's also flow, like lighthearted flow. And it sounds like when you're in that flow, you enjoy your creativity a little more. Tell me where I'm wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's like night and day. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds like when you're in that sort of rigid, serious mode, it, it sounds like, like it's painful, like it's not your true self. Tell me where I'm wrong about that. Yeah, I would say it definitely is it's painful. It's like, it's grueling. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've become, what's the word? Like I've, I've made it so like laborious and like, I'm sitting there just like hacking away at something. I don't know. It doesn't seem 
yeah, it just seems like, like, oh my gosh, what's I'm, like I'm missing the words, but it's just like, feels like monotonous almost. And like, I'm just like mm-hmm. trudging, I'm like just like trudging through, um, for the sake of it, instead of like actually really enjoying what I'm doing. Right. Right. Okay. So you were saying that happens when you get attached to outcomes or when it's turning out not how you want it to turn out. Um, So can you tell us about an experience like that? Like when was a time you were creating something and it just wasn't the vision you had in your head? Yeah. Well, it kind of actually go, I feel like I go into this a lot of times with with a lot of artistic pieces, like at mm-hmm. the beginning of of really any, well, okay, let me ground this in something a little bit more specific. So I did my own portrait <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. and I, when I first started it, and it, this is a, an often an experience whenever I'm starting a painting or a drawing, is it like the first couple of lines that I put down or the first like layers of paint are not that great. Like, uh, I mean, they just Mm. aren't and it doesn't really look very good. And so I will also get really frustrated (laughs) Mm -hmm. that it's not immediately shaping up to be my vision, even though like I have the experience and the wisdom to know that it's just the first layers <laughs> and you add <laughs> upon it and you keep working on it. Uh, but I will, I will often um, find myself kind of in this like rigidity and almost like feeling like, Oh, I just like want to give up on this, even though I sometimes have just started <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Okay. So can you imagine like that scenario. So even remembering that painting you were painting of yourself and think about Elizabeth Gilbert's phrase, like to take it seriously, but not seriously. Um, and going into that other state of creativity where you're feeling really rigid. Um, can you imagine what it would have been like at the beginning of painting your own portrait? If you could have like sort of lightened the load lighten the pressure? How could that have looked? What I can visualize is there being less expectation of, of maybe where it was going to end up and more spaciousness of just of trusting in my own process of creation because like, you know, thinking about doing two kind of similar paintings, like side by side in a way, I mean, it was some time apart. Um, it took me like six months to finish mine. <laughs> it took a week, mm-hmm. literally a week to finish Justin's. Um, and I, I think that like when I just kind of like take a step back, it might have still taken a long time. That painting is a little bit, the background's more complicated on mine than it is on Justin's. But if I imagine just like taking a step back, I think there just would have been like, oh, like this is, this is just part of it. And, and uh, reminding myself of, of how this, how this experience just kind of goes. Yeah. So, you know, what comes to me is 
maybe a practice you could try and see if this sits with you or you can riff on it a little bit to see if there's a better practice. But maybe you could try a practice where, you know, you write yourself a letter about that. Like you write a letter saying like, remember to trust the process. Remember, this is how it goes. You know, like when you're in this clear thinking mode Mm -hmm. and you know what helps you turn towards flow, then like write that out and almost have it be part of your creative process where you begin a project by reading that letter to yourself. It's almost like your letter to fear. That's that's exactly what was (laughs) popping to my mind as well. And I like that because it is something that I, unless, unless a project just is flowing right from the beginning and that does, it really does sometimes happen. But like Elizabeth Gilbert is talking about, it doesn't always exactly look like that. Sometimes like that, that like that creative flow like comes and goes within a project and Mm -hmm. being able to just acknowledge that, that, that experience of creating is just a little bit different and, and that I'll work my way through it. You know, it's like, I mean, what I ended up with, with my self portrait, I, you know, of course it's like, there's pieces like, Oh, I wish I like could change like the shape of my eyes a little bit or like whatever. But ultimately I'm like, I'm pretty happy with, with what I ended up with. And I, when I look at where I started, it's like, Mm-hmm. like way different, <laughs> um, <laughs> way, way different. And so I love that suggestion because I definitely, I need that reminder. Yeah. Just to remember. And just, especially if it tends to happen, like, it's just like part of maybe your creative process is that fear of the beginning stages of a creative project. And so it's nice to like set yourself up for success and to add in as part of the routine, um, tending to yourself and how you normally might respond to that phase of creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that suggestion. Yeah. And I think this phase of create, like the phase that scares people is different. Like I know with when I teach blogging, for some folks, it's the first draft. They also like with writing, it's the same exact thing. Like you write a stream of consciousness or write like um, what Anne Lamott calls a shitty first draft. And it's not anywhere near what you would hit publish on. And sometimes people trip up on that and they think that means they're a terrible writer, forgetting that actually writing is like editing and crafting and changing your work. Like writing isn't just the first thing you sit down to write. It's a whole long process of like a layered approach. Mm -hmm. Uh, But some people get have a hard time, not with that part, but with like the end, with actually seeing it and trying to let it go into the world (laughs) and saying like, like they sit and tweak and tweak and tweak and tweak. And it's fine. Like, ah, you just got to let it go. You just got to put it out there. Like, um, so it's interesting. So I would say that for our listener, notice that notice where your fear comes up in the process of creativity and then add in like support for yourself during that time, especially if you know that's the part that kind of like might activate you or bring up a lot of your fear. You can write yourself letters. Um, you can add in a lot of self-care. You can do fun things to make those parts of creativity easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and as you were talking 
a reminder that I just want to say for myself, and I think it's something that is valuable for other people to hear is, is actually, I, I hear my high school art teacher's voice where he'd be like, get off your chair, step back, step back, step back. Mm-hmm. And, or if, you know, something wasn't working, he was like, put it down, come back to it, you know, in a couple days. Yeah. And yeah. getting distance, like just taking a step back from what you're working on. Sometimes when we're so close and we're so in it and we're, we can mm-hmm. almost like, if I'm frustrated, I'll end up like actually like messing up a painting. Cause I'm, I'm not, I, it's like, I'm, I'm creating from like a weird place instead yeah. of like, sometimes like taking a step back and like giving it space to kind of like come back to like either centered or sometimes I come back and realize like, Oh, like writing. I see this a lot in the moment. I'm like, this is horrible. <laughs> I would never share this with anybody. <laughs> and then I might read it a couple days later and be like, well, that's pretty good. <laughs> so you just like sometimes like have to also give that space. And so I think that's actually an important reminder that I would add into that letter for myself is to to mm-hmm. also take that space sometimes when you need it and not just like force myself to be in the grind of it. If it's just kind of not working, give the space. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. Um, especially something like I teach my clients as well is to really notice when um you're like with editing right if you're editing you're writing like notice when you're editing from a place of creativity or when it tips over to perfectionism Mm. and I think it's like that's the big thing when it becomes perfectionist editing and it's like kind of like what you're talking about like rigid too like too serious too wanting the outcome to be exactly right that is like the moment to take a break and mm-hmm. walk because I one time I am um, I was working on my college thesis and I had an advisor and every week I submitted this uh paper to my advisor and he'd like edit it or give me suggestions whatever we worked on it over the course of a year and one time he returned it to me and he said it's done it's great wonderful no more edits (laughs) and I actually did go through and like tear it apart (laughs) I was so freaked out and when I submitted it to him he was just like what happened and that was such a big lesson for me to remember that actually there is such a thing as over editing like you can actually take something really really great and if you keep working on it from that rigid serious scared like you're saying, that place, it can really change your art and make it into something that isn't actually what you want, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And and I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the word perfectionism because it's funny that like, because I'm, there's some things that I'm not a perfectionist about at all. And so I like, I like thought I was like, I'm, I don't, I don't have a problem with perfectionism. <laughs> it's something yeah. that's kind of been like a little bit of a shadow that's kind of been like, oh yeah, you do. Like it, it definitely pops <laughs> up. But when I was working on a, an abstract painting, first time I'd really done this type of painting, I was with my aunt and there'd be something she's like, oh, I love what you just did. And then I'd like mess with it. And she's like, you just <laughs> messed it up. <laughs> Like, and it was like, oh yeah, like step away. Like it was fine. I didn't need to like do anything else to it. And I actually like wrecked what was perfect and great, you know, or not perfect, but like what was wonderful about my painting. So 
Yes. Important lessons. There's a lot to chew on from this um, conversation. I appreciate all of these, these layers. You're welcome. You're welcome. So how do you think uh, this conversation will impact your creative work moving forward? What it's done for me is really clarify some of these, these awareness that I need to have around my creative process that will really support me. So looking at the perfectionism, mm-hmm. looking at what this process really looks like and when things are a little bit hard or like kind of in that shitty first draft phase, like mm-hmm. I, like that trust that like I'll continue to move through it and I'll continue to to edit or work on it. Um, and so just even thinking about it in this way, it just gives me a little bit of spaciousness and like, kind of like, okay, just like release the grip a little bit. Cause it's going to be fine. No matter how, even if like yes. the end product is like not amazing, like who cares? <laughs> like it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. There can always yeah. be another painting or another, you know, post or whatever that I write. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. And if you were to ask our listeners uh, a question about this. What would you like to know? What I would like to know is what is the piece of wisdom that you're, you know, coming from like a, like when you're in your seat of your own wisdom, what is the wisdom (laughs) that you want to communicate to yourself in those moments where you're feeling like you're really rigid about your creativity to help you loosen your grip. Very nice. I love that. Yeah. I feel like we all have like a magic word that will help us loosen the grip Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's a little different for each of us, but there's something out there, a a magic phrase that will help us to do that. I love that. All right, now it is time for our segment where Caitlin and I tell you what we're up to because we would love for you all to join us and hang out with us in everything we do, whether it's listening to our podcast or, you know, we're both coaches. So, Caitlin, what are you up to this week? Well, so last time I shared a little bit more about the perspective of a wedding coaching client that I had worked with, and I wanted to today instead share a testimonial from one of my one-on-one clients. So this is what my client Grace had to say about working with me. Working with Caitlin has changed my life. I was open for business less than four months since starting coaching, and it really is to Caitlin's credit. Her coaching skills in terms of getting me to understand myself and my unique process is so invaluable. Caitlin has gently but eloquently helped me to see where I'm standing in my own way and how to embrace my natural tendencies instead of working against them. She helped me to problem solve for my limiting beliefs, and man, does that work. To be honest, I didn't even know I had limiting beliefs when I first started working with her. Now, instead of wasting my time procrastinating all over the nonsense of why it won't work, Caitlin has shown me how to embrace my power and harness it to move things forward. If you're considering working with Caitlin, please don't wait. You have no idea what's right around the corner once you get out of your own way and Caitlin has the soft nudge to get you moving. Two meetings in with Caitlin, I made more progress on my business than I have in five years and I'm having fun doing it. I am now in the weeds and because I know that I have more accountability meetings coming up, 
With Caitlin, I push through and get it done, whereas my previous self would have taken the minor headaches as a sign to stop or turn around. Please don't keep talking yourself out of your big ideas. Take yourself seriously and invest in life coaching with Caitlin. You absolutely won't regret it. That's such a nice testimonial. It is so That's nice. amazing. <laughs> yes. It's like, I feel like a little like blushy as I'm reading this, but I, one, she's not giving herself nearly enough credit because this is such a partnership and I'm really just helping her to access what's already within her to do these amazing things. And I also want to be really clear that you don't have to have a specific business that you want to start. Although I have worked with a lot of people who wanted to start businesses or, or have businesses. Um, but a lot of it is really about the things of, you know, getting out of her own way, understanding her natural tendencies, seeing how to work through her limiting beliefs and the things that were ultimately holding her back from being herself and really engaging in her, her creativity and in her life in the way that just is the most uh, authentic and fulfilling for her. So if you'd be interested in exploring working with me, I would absolutely love to connect with you. You can schedule a free discovery session where we'll get to know one another, see where you're, see where you're headed, what your vision is, where you're feeling stuck and, and how coaching might be able to support you, um, on your journey. The link to schedule will be in the show notes. All right. So Emma, what is going on for you lately? Yeah. So first, I just want to say that um, as we're recording this, I am running the What to Blog About Challenge that I mentioned on a previous episode, and it's going so well. Uh, it's really, really cool. Um, the community that's connecting in that space of this free challenge is really like, I don't know, I, I just feel so grateful and lucky and excited for everything everyone is discovering about their blogging. And so I just want to say a shout out and a thank you to anyone um, who's listening to the podcast who was a part of that. So this has been a, just such a cool experience. So what I'm up to right now is I have a new free offer for all of you. It is a writing ritual to help you kindle the magic in your writing life. And this ritual is a video, a guided video that you can do. It's about 20 minutes long. And the purpose of it is really to help you connect to the heart of what you have to say as a writer. So it's going to help you to see the truth and power and authenticity of the words you are sharing with the world and the message you are here to share with others through your writing. Um, and I think this is magic because the feeling of truth and authenticity is just so powerful and also can create so much transformation, right? Even if you're writing just for yourself, connecting to your own truth and the heart of what it is you're doing as a writer and saying as a writer can really create transformation, right? In your life, it can help you feel more free, more whole in the world. Um, so I invite you to come and download that at veritaswriterssanctuary.com and the link will be in the show notes. All right, Caitlin. So it is time to share a quote from the essay that stood out for us. So what quote do you have this week? So this is a quote that Elizabeth Gilbert is, is sharing about her mother. And this really, really resonated with me. 
And the quote is, She smiled sweetly at everyone and always acted like a total cooperator. But then she shaped her own world exactly to her liking while nobody was looking. And it just, this just makes me smile because I, I just, I I kind of love, and I feel like I almost am in able to adopt my own, not adopt, I'm able to, what's the word? connect more fully to my creativity when I'm a little in this like mischievousness and kind of being like, doesn't really, I almost doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. I'm just doing my own thing and having fun. And there's this term that I came up with recently that I've been really playing with and it's about being a quiet rebel. And I just felt like Mm. this sentence in particular really captured that energy. Yeah, that is really true. Yeah, so that's my quote. What? Which one stood out for you? Yeah, so I like this one from the Your Permission Slip essay. And so she says, The guardians of high culture will try to convince you that the arts belong only to a chosen few, that they are wrong and they are also annoying. <laughs> we are all the chosen few. We are all makers by design. And I think if anybody listened to my last coaching session or the coach, the, when I get coached, it's oftentimes I'm getting coached on the guardians of high culture and trying to like remove them out of my thinking and my head. Because to be honest, when I was in college and young and being an English major, I was kind of all in with the guardians of high culture. Mm. I was like, yeah, literature. So I need to like work that stuff out, not because I never believed in it, but because I did believe in it. You know what I mean? Totally. You know what, what popped into my mind is like Stockholm syndrome. (laughs) I know it's not that intense, but I think sometimes we can adopt these mentalities that may or may not Mm -hmm. really serve us. And so we have to kind of untangle. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And so now it's like I spend a lot of time like listening to podcasts and reading books of people who are so the opposite of that because I need that force, like a huge force to come in and like help me to undo that that training that, you know, the arts or creativity is only for a chosen few, you know? So I, for me, this is like a really important one to just remember and keep remembering that the guardians of high culture are most of the time kind of like full of shit when it comes (laughs) to that, (laughs) when it comes to saying only a few people get to do this. And uh, seriously, it's like a white supremacist ideology, right? Like Mm -hmm. when it was the guardians of high culture with, um, you know, the beginnings of, like Ivy League colleges, then it was only wealthy white men can be here, right? So it's like the guardians of high culture, the like basis of that is in white supremacy. And so, yeah, it's all a bunch of shit. Yeah. 
So if you are wondering more about the history of white supremacy and universities, I highly recommend reading the book Mediocre, The Dangerous Legacy of White Male America by Ijoma Oluo. All right, so now it is time to give you a permission slip. And Caitlin and I were talking about this and we're like, well, this is funny because it actually is the permission slip essay. So we thought we'd just read one more little quote from Elizabeth Gilbert. So what she says is, you do not need a permission slip from the principal's office to live a creative life. Or if you do worry that you need a permission slip there, I just gave it to you. I just wrote it on the back of an old shopping list. Consider yourself fully accredited. Now go make something. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All right, everyone, that is our episode for today. Thank you so much for joining us. And just a couple of last reminders. We are now accepting listener questions, which is so exciting. So if there is a question that you have that you would love for us to weigh in on and share our thoughts about, please, please send it our way. You can email us at fullheartfreevoicepodcast at gmail.com. And I hope you'll come hang out with us on Patreon. We've talked to you about so many of the awesome tiers and rewards that you can get as as part of our Patreon. And we hope that you'll consider checking that out. Um, You can also purchase any of the books that we have mentioned on today's podcast or past episodes at our bookshop.org link, which is in the show notes. Um, And of course, you can purchase our merch with our logo on it. But all of that aside, one of the most powerful things that you can do for our podcast is to rate and review us, to share even just one sentence about what you have gotten out of this podcast so that potential future listeners can see why they might want to hang out with us. So if you would just be willing to take a couple of moments to do that, it means a great deal to us and to the podcast. And we, of course, just appreciate all of you so much. We appreciate you being here with us. And yeah, we just appreciate you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. This episode was produced by Emma Veritas and Caitlin Bosshart. You can find out more about me, Emma, at my website, VeritasWritersSanctuary.com, where you can download your free workbook, Six Steps to Calm Your Fear and Write Your First Blog Post. And you can connect with me on my Instagram page, Books and Moss, at books underscore and underscore moss. And you can find out more about me, Caitlin, at my website, CaitlinBossHart.com, or you can download my free workshop and workbook, Finally Start Your Passion Projects. And I'd love to connect with you on Instagram. Come and find me at Caitlin underscore Bossheart and say hello. If you love the podcast, it would mean the world to us if you'd subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. To stay connected with us, join the conversation on Instagram at fullheart underscore free voice underscore podcast or join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash fullheart free voice podcast. And remember, you can purchase any of the books we mentioned in today's show at our bookshop.org affiliate link. You'll find all these links in our show notes. A special thank you to the amazing artists whose music is featured in our podcast, Wally Ingram, Stevie Black, and Tom Freund. 
you heard a portion of their track, Shine a Light, from their record, Spa Day. And thanks to Caitlin Bosshart for creating our beautiful cover art. And thank you to Carrot Basu for all of his audio and technical help. And a huge thank you to Emma Veritas for her editing magic. And last but not least, thank you to you, our listeners. 